Thank you for listening to another installment of The Frequency, our Delta Green actual play operation. This is a horror show, and its content may contain things that some viewers may find disturbing, including extreme violence and psychological torments. Be sure to have listened to the other parts of this series to make sense of the events within. But please, enjoy, while you're still sane enough to do so. Okay, uh, welcome back to our Delta Green show. How many of you guys have actually been to Montana? I have. I have. I have. I also have. I have it. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh my God, that's kind of awesome. Ayla, you're off the pod. Sorry. <laughs> I had a friend who lived there. Does that count? I'm just kidding. That does count. Got in by a technicality. Uh, Wes, when did you visit the great state of Montana? Uh, well, as a kid, driving up to Canada with my great-grandmother who lived in Idaho. And uh, most recently, and the longest duration, would be when I went to get my uh, my now doggo, but at the time, Pupper's uh, Saxon from Whitefish. Aw. Doll. Sa- Saxon's a Montana pups. He is. I didn't know that. Yeah. Got him at eight weeks. No. Yeah, so he needed a home, and we said, you know what? Let's just do a road trip. 26 what hours kind of later. Did you say? He's a black lab German Shepherd. And he he's is cutie. so he's, cute. He's so cute, and he's so goofy, and very soft. Yeah. He yes. is maybe the goofiest dog I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> very, life. Very friendly and goofy. Very friendly and goofy. My Unless you're an intruder. Then he's just goofy. <laughs> yeah, he's not friendly. He's just goofy. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Brendan, what about you? Oh, God, where would I? I've been through Montana so many times. I don't even know if there's any one particular event. I no. drove through going to Montana uh, to move my sister out there. Uh, and then to visit my sister, I've gone and partied in Montana because it, like everything is cheaper there. Alcohol, cigarettes, all that. Then Washington State. I drove through it like a month ago when I was moving to Texas. Uh, is it God, cheaper than it. Idaho? Not necessarily, but... You just decide to skip over Idaho to go to Montana? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? I live Better than <laughs> Idaho, cheaper than anywhere else. It was like yeah. 30 miles to Idaho, 50 miles to Montana. You might as well. Okay. Go to Big Sky Country. Uh, yeah, Big Sky. Yeah. Um, and I... I saw... <laughs> I saw a double tanker. Like, fuel tanker flipped over in montana just Holy shit. dumping like a hundred gallons per second into a swamp oh jeez! so that swamp is probably dead now but uh this week's episode takes place in the gas swamp <laughs> it was actually of unusual size i don't think they exist <laughs> it's actually fairly close to a uh, big timber oh is, is why i was gonna say that like it's it's probably 50 miles from there yeah, that's really relevant and interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But Tara, what about you? Uh, I was probably like twelve or something. My grandparents, who live in Idaho, took my sister and my cousin and I on a road trip to through Montana into Yellowstone, and nice. it was just really pretty. Lots of cool that's sites. cool. Iconic, I, iconic Montana trip is to Yellowstone. That's awesome. I want to go to Yellowstone yeah. so bad. Mm. Not right now. You don't. Awesome. That's true. Uh, a lot of flooding, right? <laughs> a lot of flooding. Yeah. Not I so many roads. That. My uh, mom had to cancel her Yellowstone trip because of that, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Also, feet in the water and stuff. You know, that's like random yeah. stuff washed up last week. That's fucking wild. That's happened in our area, too, though. That, yeah, we actually... In, uh, we got a lot area. of... De- we got a lot of debris and like body parts from this huge Japanese tsunami, like the fallout of that. Just kind of oh, yeah, we did, huh? Yeah, like that was news for a while. Well, on that dark and bleak note, yay! <laughs> you gonna tell us about your trip to Montana, Tim? Uh, I went to Montana when I was three, and some 
twins who were cousins of mine pushed me into a dryer. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the most Tanner story ever. <laughs> yeah, it, that's all I really remember about Montana. Was just face first, ass up into a dryer. <laughs> I day was spinning. I don't know. I remember like looking at twins through like the glass door like, of like a dryer. That's where your horror vibes come from. Yeah, that's where it all all went wrong. Funnily enough, we all wake up in a dryer somehow. Yes. Okay. And in that dryer. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Panning back to a sheriff's truck. A slightly overweight man with graying hair behind the wheel. A nicely dressed cowboy in the passenger seat. And a partially clad scared man in the back seat we zoom in on Sheriff McLean and Dr. Greenwood and this mysterious Frank the drive is short and silent only about 15 minutes to the Pacifical Medical Center from here but there's a tension in the car tension between the sheriff and attention between this strange man. Right as you approach, pulling into this quaint little parking lot in front of the Pacific Medical Center, a small brick building that could barely be defined at a, as a medical facility, something meant for minor injuries and maybe a single emergency. The lights are on out front, Official operating hours are closed, but of course, Dr. Greenwood, you, you have access. You have a key. And you know there's always crew there. Usually, in fact, it's going to be Nurse Diego Valdez. Pretty eager young man who picks up a lot of shifts trying to make money. But Dr. Greenwood, as you go to leave the car and you put your hand on the handle the sheriff says um hold on just a minute there Fred sheriff what can I do for you now he takes his hat off puts it on the dash I know you're a man of service you know I'm a vet as well but our experience is quite different, as we've talked about before. But, uh, Fred, you ain't gonna be able to trust that Fed. I worked with Feds, I've done investigations with Feds, and I saw what special agents and operatives could do in the right circumstances. Saw it in war, saw it in life. I just want to make sure we're on the same team here. I'll smile at him and I'll grab my Stetson off, uh, Stetson off of his dashboard and I'll say, Dick, you know me. I ain't going to throw you under a bus. He nods and he looks back at Frank in the backseat. Lingers inquisitively for a moment before he turns back to you and says one last thing there Fred yes sir in front of the agent I am Sheriff McLean to you didn't know you were that formal I'll say coldly as I get out of his rig without another word he opens the door shuts it goes to the back opens it up for Frank alright get out Frank says, where are, where are we? Pacific Medical Center, get the fuck out. He gets out. After you, Dr. Greenwood. I'll shake my head at him and I'll walk over to the door and I'll open it up with a key on my belt. You open it up 
uh, two double doors, glass with a metal handle. Unlock the key, push in, and quickly Diego sees you right at the front desk, and he says, uh, Dr. Greenwood, uh, what brings you here? Diego, good evening. Uh, well, I've got someone that <clears throat> we need to take a look at. Uh, his name is uh, Mr. McNeil. If you can show him to exam room two. Is there a motorcycle accident that's still in here? Yeah, uh, he's in uh, exam room one. It's that uh, young kid. sent about 16. He's in a stable condition right now, but we're not going to want to move him. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I was, I just... I told uh, I told Ronnie I'd take a look at him, so I'm gonna take a look at him. If you wouldn't mind getting my new friend, Mr. McNeil, and uh, and I'll look at uh, Dick, and I'll say the sheriff, all situated in room two. That'd be lovely. I'll be right in. Right, uh, right this way, and he goes up, go reaches to take the hand of. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll just yeah I'll put up a hand and I'll say, my friend Mr. McNeil here would prefer not to be touched at this time. Okay, that's a wrap uh, with me. Uh, Mr. McNeil, please follow me. Takes him down the hallway. He's like, Sheriff, you follow me as well. Uh, continues down, leaves you alone in this reception room. What are I'll, you doing? I'll head to room one. I'll grab my uh, surgeon's kit and head to room one. Okay, great. You go into room one and you see this young 16-year-old who has gotten into a pretty terrible motorcycle accident. You know him. He's actually the son of Rattlesnake. Rattlesnake is divorced from his wife. Uh, he was married to Willow Mayfield, uh, and this is their son, Scott. Okay. Uh, and what was Rattlesnake's name again? It was... Uh, Gary Mayfield. And Scott's been kind of a troublemaker, kind of taking after his dad. He's only... There. He's not supposed to see him, but there's like an uneasy agreement every other weekend or so. And he's quickly becoming a troublemaker, but he has taken a harsh motorcycle spell without a helmet, and he is incubated right now. And as much as he's not in any... he He's in a, a precarious situation. He's not necessarily... He's stable, but you don't exactly know the extent of the damage. Hmm. Well, I'm <clears throat> looking to find out. Uh, you said he is incapacitated. Yeah, he's on a uh, feeding tube. So he's intubated. Yep. I want to do a medical exam. I want to take a look at him, see if there's anything that got <laughs> missed, uh, something that's more urgent, see if we need to escalate his care more so Sorry, than whenever they're coming. What's that? Yeah, I, I'm hella good at biology. Uh, yeah, what's your... Uh, what's your get, Which skill would you like to use for this, I suppose? Well, I mean... I would like to use uh, medicine. Okay. What's your medicine skill? 80. Looking over this kid, looking over Scott, you see actually handiwork you're very familiar with. Clearly, uh, Dr. Johansson, the primary doctor here, has taken care of him. She's a very well-equipped doctor. Maybe not quite to your extensive knowledge, but she's learned a lot under you. In fact, you're sort of admiring some of her work and being like, yeah, you know, I taught her this and, and things like that. She's she's done a, a really good job with this kid. The problem is this kid wasn't wearing a helmet and the cranial damage is extensive. And you pick up his chart looking through it. He seems responsive physically but not necessarily mentally um again the extent of the damages will really show themselves as time passes but looking over it and looking over this kid he ain't gonna be the same on the other side of it but is there anything life-threatening that they had been missed or anything like that doesn't seem to be dr johansson did did a good job very good uh, satisfied with that, I'm just going to double check, make sure everything's stable, make sure that all the interventions that we've uh, put in place for this kid are are in place and working properly, and then I'm going to uh, leave to go to Medroom 2. You go to Medroom 2, and looking over, you do see, you know, a set of x-rays. 
uh, you do see a recommendation that when his state improves, he likely will be needed. It, it, it's likely you'll need to transfer him to a more well-equipped hospital, but there's nothing life-threatening now that moving his body from here elsewhere would probably just be unnecessary. And knowing this medical center, you know this, of course, has has three care rooms. One seems to be more of an uh, uh, intensive care unit, which would be this sort of room one. Um, there's also a x-ray machine that, you know, uh, technician Davidson operates whenever you need. But there's no MRI or anything in this uh, facility. All that would actually have to be done at, in Bozeman. Okay. Well, I'm going to walk in and uh, I want to uh, inquire about a few things with uh, Diego here. Um, walk into Med 2. What do I What do I see in Med 2? Well, I'll tell you what you see. <laughs> but not right now. Okay, fair enough. Sweep so pan over to Ronnie and Dan. Ronnie, you are driving your... What do you have a... What's your truck again? Uh, Ford F-150. Driving your Ford F-150. Dan, you're in the passenger seat, and you got yourself a little lap com- companion here as Butch is extending the, his... Or her upper torso, rather, from the sort of console backseat area, and it's just sort of panting in your face happily. Just, <laughs> And uh, oh, just before we left, girl. too, I I slid my number to the agent and was like, if you need anything, as we walked out. Great. Dan, you're sort of directing Ronnie where to go, where your car can be found. And again, it's only a mile out. It doesn't take you long at all. And you see his car sprawled over off this sort of Almost into a, a drainage ditch of about um, a foot. What's it called again? What? <laughs> the borrow pit? The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's borrow. What did I say? Oh. She was just coming on the ditch. Because there's like a specific name, Montana term for Oh. Ditch. <laughs> yeah. Borrow pit. Find his car in the borrow pit. <laughs> but no, you find De- uh, Dan's truck in the borrow pit. Um, <laughs> wheel dented inward at a awkward angle that connects with the wheel well. You can see that tire is blown and flat. And you pull over. Looks like your uh, tire there is all cattywampus. Yeah. Probably got some A-frame damage, too. Well, let's get... I hope there's a good mechanic in town. Let's get it hooked up. And I'll start getting... I guess I have a winch on my truck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Think you can tow her like this? Ah, sure. My truck can handle it. Oh, I know. I have the same <laughs> I, truck. I see you have the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is awkward. <laughs> and you hook it up. Hook up your winch. Um, Dan, you do another sweep of the car. Uh, no damage to the front. Yeah, I'm also probably just going to double-check the car, make sure nothing looks like it could, like, explode or something. I don't know. Uh, any of you guys have a mechanic skill? Um, is that a skill in this game? Anybody that owns a Lamp well, 150 has like a mechanic craft, skill. craft electrician mechanic, yeah. Okay. Looking over it, yeah, it seems like just some... Probably some damage to the axle and the wheel wheel. Nothing's going to blow up. There's no danger of that. Yeah, nothing too major, at least, it looks like. Yeah, it felt a lot worse when my wife and kid were in the car with me. Yeah, that must have been uh, scary. It was right over here, and I kind of looked to see where. Yeah, actually, I'm starting to question what I saw. I'm going to go take another look at that coyote. I follow. This coyote is... With Butch. This coyote is almost one with the pavement. Butch gets close, sniffing it. Leave it. It's crawling with maggots and it's hollowed out eyes. 
You walk close to it and a couple carrion birds fly away. You can see tired tread hinted tinted rather with blood going down to and from this coyote and its body spread out across the asphalt. Well, I guess he damn sure didn't throw that at me. Well, maybe he was just uh, standing near it. Must have been. Right on top of it. That's that's where he was. Maybe he was uh, trying to help it. He seemed crazy enough to maybe try to do that. Well, might as well get the old, old girl saddled up. Yeah, let's get you back get to your wife here. and kid. You know a good mechanic? Yeah, uh, old Bill's in town. Please, old Bill was my father. <laughs> Call me young Bill. Call me old Bill Jr. I forgot, he passed it down now. William took over. It's actually a horrible, horrible sort of uh, practice. Every time his dad dies, we switch to calling the current generation of Bill, old Bill, and just sort of shift the titles down. Billiam. 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 It's an honorary title. I'm sorry, Billiam was my father. <laughs> Call me Liam. Unless you have an actual mechanic set up already with the nope. name. Nope. Old Bill it is. Little you Bill. hook up you, Little Bill's his son <laughs> For now You guys hook up the winch In the deepening twilight Of this Montana summer night And we pan back To the diner Special Agent Oakley What are you doing? Well I was supposed to get out of their hair Cause they wanted to take a statement From Helen So I guess I will Respect that and um, honestly, I don't know how much involvement I want to take right now, so I feel like I probably would go take... What time is it? I don't know. Probably about 9, 9.30. I feel like it's late enough where I'd probably retreat to my own to try to find somewhere to... I don't know if I already have a room. Um, We'll say you have a room at the Motel 8. Yeah, I guess I would go back there. I mean... As much as me outside of my character wants to go get my, like, stick my nose and everything, I don't think that's what my character would do, so. Um, I mean, I think that she would want to, too, but I think there's a part of respect of, like, uh, uh, for everyone's privacy and, and for not, you know, knowing these people and knowing that I have other things going on, I'd probably go back to the hotel. Okay. Even though I really don't want to. <laughs> Ding, ding. You open the door to the diner. Walk out. Neon light buzzing behind you. Parking lot's cleared out. As you walk forward, you hear, Hey! Special agent! Yeah, what's up? Turn around to see this... Sort of vagrant-looking man in a tattered military jacket. Uneven beard. Shaggy dirty blonde hair says what you ain't gonna take my statement drags on his cigarette to glows in the night uh that's not my job and it's not my jurisdiction so I'm just to keep my nose out of it I'm just gonna say kind of exasperated like wanting to help but can't well, I don't think that deputy in there wants mine so Willing to give it? You know, out of, out of curiosity, I'd like to hear what you have to say, but I can't take it as a formal statement. It's not my job and it's not my place, but I mean, you obviously want to speak, so go for it. You know, I'm not usually so narcissistic. <laughs> Drags his cigarette again. Says, it's not that I want to speak, I just want to, you know. Figure this all out. Call it natural born curiosity. Naked man walks into a diner in a s s town 
about a thousand people. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows where he came from. But he's got something weird in his head. Think old, that old fat sheriff can figure that one out? Takes another drag. It's not my place whether to tell how well people are going to handle their own cases. But I can agree with you that it's bizarre. I can say I've never seen anything like it. But just because I can't un understand it doesn't mean that there's not a, a good explanation. What if there wasn't? Everything has some kind of explanation of, of what happened, how this could have happened, how he got here, where he was, his state of mind. But that's what I'm saying. Stop thinking like a cop. What if there is no explanation? Or what if it's not one you could believe? Well... To be fair, I deal with analytics and behavioral science. I'm not a cop. Uh, I'm FBI, so... Carry a badge, don't you? Yeah. All the same to you. I'll just, like, show it. I don't want to get, like, super close to this person. They seem weird. <laughs> like, they obviously are trying to bait me in, and I don't... I'm not completely taking it yet. Right, well, I know this is fishy. You know this is fishy. And I know that old Vietnam-era relic is not going to get to the bottom of this. But you seem sharp. You seem... <laughs> Hell, you seem like you want to do the right thing. Drags a cigarette again. Well, I think that's an observation well seen. I I do want to help, and I am in the area for a little while, and I'm, like I said, I've never seen anything like this, so how do you feel about me taking down your name and giving you um, uh, somewhere to, to, to contact me? I think that'd be a good idea. But, uh, as far as my name goes, you can just call me Randy. I'll give him, like, a side eye, and, and I want to do, like, I guess maybe a human to see if he's, like, is that would be, like, lying? Like, if you can tell if he's lying? Yeah. That's uh, a 70, so. This person is definitely, definitely trying to mask everything about him you're you sort of looking him up and down he looks like a vagrant a homeless person a wanderer but he speaks like an investigator he seems relatively clear hmm. let's say hmm randy as i'm writing it down like on a little pad or something and like giving r a n d y <laughs> Thought it fit in with the locals. Yeah. Um, just giving him, like, a look. Like, I obviously know, like, that, you know, there's there's something to you that I can see that you know more. But, honestly, I don't even know if I want to get deeper into this. But, for now, I'd love to take your statement and, and collect your, collect, or give you my contact info based on... An, <laughs> How I want to approach this, so. Tell you what I saw. And he starts recounting his statement. And it's everything... Everything that you saw as well. But he highlights things that you thought were strange. The gemstone. The television being out of whack prior to this entrance. And he also says... And that, uh, a lady with the mullet, she was, she was looking at that guy real weird there for a second. Really weird, like in a trance or something. I think everyone is in kind of a state of shock and 
it, this whole situation, you never know how people are going to act. No. No, I suppose you're right about that. In terms of the statement, without a formal name, and for this not being my place or my job to do, I can't guarantee you'll make it anywhere important except for just for my personal notes. But uh, I thank you for your time and to talk to me. See a pager on your hip. Mind giving me that number? Uh, I already gave him a personal number. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that's probably what it is. You don't have a cell. Or yeah, exactly. I would have given that information probably, and then I also want to get some something to contact him by, because otherwise he might just be lost forever. So, do we not have cells? It's nineteen ninety nine, probably not. If you were I've super my, important, uh, you would Matrix have a pager. Banana phone. I definitely have a pager. I'm sure you have a pager. I'm sure all you have a pager, but. Montana in 1999. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Nokia, the Nokia brick was all the rage in '99. There wouldn't have been reception. Reception in yeah, uh, reception in Montana. That's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> most likely not. Okay. He says, "Sorry, agent. <laughs> Ain't no way to get a hold of me, but I'll be around. Don't you worry." You have a good night here. Flicks his cigarette. Walks okay. away into the dark. <laughs> Weird. Okay. <laughs> Take pan. his cigarette, figure out his identity. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, don't, I can't do all that. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I'm gonna Take his cigarette, taste it, and you're like, it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> Metal um, tooth. Metal tooth. <laughs> <laughs> You just made me cackle. Oh, that's great. <laughs> In medical examination room two, you walk in, Dr. Greenwood. Sheriff seems to be asking some questions of this gentleman. He's like, all right, I get it. Let's say I believe you, and you're from Big Timber, even though I've lived in Big Timber and I get it. You say you say your wife's name is Anna McNeil. Again, living in Big Timber. But I never... I never met her either. So why don't you go over again from the top. Frank, if that is your name. Who are you? And he's like... This is going nowhere. I can't stay here. I cannot... Be still, all right? I need to find Anna. I need to go. I don't want to be in Big Timber anymore. Like, that's fine. I don't want you in Big Timber. But I need to know who the hell you are so I can fill out this ticket for public indecency and get you paying a fine. Now, where were you earlier this afternoon? Where were you this morning? I don't remember looks up at you and he throws his hands in the air and he's like I'm gonna have to bring him in on charges if I can't get some cooperation out of this guy meanwhile Diego's taking his blood pressure um, and he's like very carefully sort of wrapping it around Damn that sheriff got a job to do but so do I and I'm gonna see if I can't help you out by getting my job done here Frank you say you lived in Big Timber for a while now. Can you give me your address? Yeah. Uh, I live on 185 McNeil Lane. It's a offshoot of uh, Counter Road there. Unincorporated. About five miles out. Am I familiar with that area? It's a old side road. You don't know of anybody who lives there currently. Um, there's a lot of sort of side roads that are pretty private there, but you definitely don't know of anyone living over there. It's named after my my dad who uh, built the built the house and named it McNeil Lane. Uh, it could be called something something else officially on the papers. I'm, I'm not really sure, but dad died five years ago or so. 
What's your father's name? Uh, Garrett McNeil. Garrett McNeil. Okay. Again, not ringing any bells. Yeah. Sheriff, may I ask a, a favor of you? Can you send your deputy out to that stretch of uh, stretch of road there? See if anybody's living down there. Looks at you. Looks at the patients. Yeah, don't let him leave the room. Uh, go to my go to my car. Fair enough. Appreciate your your help in the matter. He leaves the room. And I'm gonna, um, <clears throat> when he leaves the room, I'm gonna, then I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna say, okay, all right, here's the, here's the deal, Frank. I don't care what's been going on, if it's something illegal, if it's something that you're on, or if this is genuine. I just want to get you, A, to find your wife and family, and B, to figure out what's going on. Because you have a, a contusion in your head that we need to take a look at. It's something that's that can be serious if not tended to. And it's uh might I say peculiar. Wes Go ahead and give me a power times five roll. Okay. I can do that. Awa <laughs> Ooh. So power's 45. And I got a 42. Yes. Close. Yeah. As you say the word peculiar, your eyes seemingly on their own drift up and fixate on the gem. And he sort of backs up a few inches and he says, Look. I don't know what your game is here. I, I'm not on any drugs or nothing. I don't... Uh, are you trying to entrap me? Because I'm, I'm not about to be entrapped. And I can't stay here, alright? I am a flat... I am... This is a risk, alright? And I can't. And he just likes... As as he's saying these things, Diego's like... Um, I'm going to doctor, say, no, 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 no. Doctor. Is, do, doctor. Yes, and you see the blood pressure re, like gauge hitting red and going up into levels that would kill a human being. Uh, and I, well, I'm going to notate that, but I'm going to say, no, Mr. Mr. McNeil, no. going to be pretty easy to notate that because you're going to take a sanity check. Oh, okay. Cool. Because this is off the charts. blood pressure that's a heart attack. 31, I'm good. Okay. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mr. McNeil, Mr. McNeil. That is not what I'm insinuating at all. I am not with the officer. I am not police. I'm strictly medical. I'm just doing fact finding so that I can help you. I don't care and I don't want to detain you. You do not want to be detained. I don't want to detain you. I want to help you. That way you can get back to your wife and family and back to your normal life. I just need to figure out how how best to help you. Right. Right, and the blood pressure is dropping. What's your alertness? What is my alertness? Um, my alertness is 60. You see Diego, the nurse, is visibly shaken. He is squeezing on the blood pressure gauge, but he is doing it rapidly and fast, and he is clearly on edge from what he just saw. I'm gonna put my hand on Diego's shoulder. I'm gonna say, Diego, why don't you uh, go make sure our patient in one is doing okay. I got it from here. Yeah, 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 thank you, doctor. And he quickly leaves. And as he goes out the door, he's passing by the sheriff coming back in and he says, I'll radio my deputy again in about 15 minutes. Uh, send him that way. Um, seems to have wrapped up his statements. He's gonna drop Helen off at home and head up there. I appreciate you, Sheriff. We're just, uh, trying to figure out what... Still trying to figure out what's going on, so... Haven't found anything else new yet. What's your... Do you have Hugh Mint? 
No. Okay. Great. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Great. Uh, no, I do not. I have ten. Ten. The base. The base level ten. Great. Yeah. Ronnie. You pull back into the Hungry Coyotes gravel parking lot. And Dan, out the passenger window, you see your wife and son sitting out front. Can I uh, take you guys to the hotel? <laughs> I guess you do have his truck in tow. <laughs> I assume we dropped it off. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make him ride in the truck that's in tow. <laughs> <laughs> it crashes again. Kills your son. Benny! <laughs> <laughs> Not Ben, eh? Maybe. Do F-157 backseat? Uh, depends on the cab. Yeah, oh. I got backseat. Sure. Okay, Crew so... Cab. The four of you and this giant dog squeeze into the cab of this F-150. He won't bite you, kid. Just uh, give him a nice little pat and hold him on your lap while we go. Just look in the side of Benny's face as his <laughs> tongue is, like, larger than it waterboarding him with dog saliva. Don't give him your to-go steak. <laughs> if you ain't eating it, I am. He's sniffing it. like, <laughs> Or she is, rather. She's sniffing it. Just <laughs> Oh, hurt. Sorry. I always I misgender I dogs. I don't know. I think I said he, too. <laughs> Driving through the uh, town here. Who's got the higher alertness? Uh, I think we're both 50. Uh, 50. Okay, both of you notice this strange vagrant smoking a cigarette on the side of the road. Lifts his hand in a solitary wave. I'll wave back. Seems to watch you Same. as you drive down into town. That guy was in the diner too. Hopefully he's doing okay. Looks like he is. Looks like he's seen a thing or two. And you pull into the Motel Lake. You see out front Agent Oakley unlocking the door to her hotel room as she walked from her sedan. Ronnie, you pull up. Special Agent, you're staying the night here too? I'm staying out the window. She'll probably be fumbling with the keys and just be like, oh, oh, uh, yeah. What about you guys? And at this point, this heavy set, older sort of blonde lady clearly dyes her hair, walks out, waves to you, Ronnie, and you know this to be the manager of the hotel. She comes up uh, and to this, your side of the window, Dan, Zach. Uh, you must be the ones that uh, uh, Deputy Sharp radioed about. Here are your keys. Feel free to stay for up to three nights on the sheriff. Um, yeah, you're going to be right in uh, 104 here, uh, right next to this fine lady here. Well, that's real kind of you. Uh, I certainly appreciate it. Venting machine under the stairs, uh, just right over there. If you need ice, go to the left down the corner. Um, hot water doesn't work, but, you know, it's hot enough out here anyway. Oh, even the cold water's warm here. Have a good night. You too. And Maya's gonna say, you can call me Maya. I'll call you Special Agent. <laughs> Whatever you prefer. <laughs> well, uh, let me jot down my pager number for you here, Dan, just in case you need anything else while you're here. Oh, you got one of them too? You must be real important. Sure. Dude, it's that, I don't know. Is that what people have nowadays? <laughs> I almost think you you might actually pretty much exclusively rely on your radio. But you probably have a house phone. Here's my house number then. Yeah, I actually also would have a, uh, a military-grade radio that I probably would have pulled out of my go-bag from my truck. Sure. Well, I would have pulled my whole go-bag because it'd be like a pistol and stuff in it okay I'm, I'm sure you have all your luggage probably loaded it in the back of 
Ronnie's truck. You can also reach me at the fire station if you... If I don't answer there. Well, here's my pager number, my... Uh, my radio band that I usually operate on. We got ways. Okay. We pan back to Pacific Medical Center. Sitting in the room is Frank, Sheriff McLean, and Dr. Greenwood. The room's been silent here for a minute. Dr. Greenwood, you are probably a little bit puzzled as to what what to do here, and Frank just keeps muttering that he needs to leave. Now, Frank, where would you go if we were to let you go? Would you go to where our deputy is going to check the house? I just... Maybe. I can't stay in one place for too long, okay? I, I just can't do it. Are you afraid of something? We're all afraid of something. Well, what's making you afraid to stay put? And he sort of hesitates. What's your persuade? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, my persuade is 40. Roll a persuade. All right. Boink. 79. <laughs> okay. Oh, whoops. Listen, we all run from our own ghosts, but... Look, I don't, I don't know how I was naked or why I'm here or what happened. I just want to get back to Anna. I understand that, but it's blacker than the inside of a cow out there. You can't be running around in your skivvies. Look, <laughs> stay the night here. Let us just make sure you're medically okay. And we can take care of this. Deputy's going down. If what you say is true, deputy can collect Anna, bring him on back. Sheriff leans forward and says, All right, uh, I'm going to go check in with my deputy. I'll be back. Thank you, Sheriff. See? Look, all we're trying to do is get you comfortable and make sure you're okay. There's some concerning things that have happened, it seems. You can't remember what's going on. We just need to make sure that everything's going okay. Real quickly, you know that you're in Big Timber. What year is it? Real quick. Are you kidding me? No. I feel like y'all are trying to stick me with like some crazy bullshit here. You're trying to trying to say I'm crazy. I don't even know what year it is. No, it's actually quite a standard medical thing that we check. So I'll I'm, I asked you what city you think you're in, and you were correct. So I'm going to ask what you your year you think you're in. Then I'm going to ask you who you think the president of the United States is, because that's something that we all know as Americans. All right, Doctor. It's 1970. Richard Nixon's president. What do you want me to say? You're trying to arrest me so you can throw me back into Nam. Or into Nam. I get it. I, get it. I, I see what you're playing at here. Nam's been done for about 25 years, son. What? No, that's not. Yeah. Because I just retired from the military after we had gotten out of Afghanistan. the hell are we doing in Afghanistan? Aren't them the good guys? So. You believe it's 1979 and Richard Nixon is president of the United States and that we're currently entangled in Vietnam. I don't believe it's 1970. I, it's 1970. I... I know it's well, well, not. One second. Hold on. I'm I know it's out, 1970. I'm going to pull out my wallet and I'm going to show him, like, from far away, I'm going to say, does this look like a government-issued ID for every United States military service personnel? I don't, I'm not in the military, yes? Okay, let's try this. Montana driver's license. Right. Okay. Can you look at the expiration date on that, please? He reaches forward and pinches it with two fingers and brings it close. 
he stares at it for an uncomfortable length of time before he starts trembling and trembling and trembling and the gem starts to flicker with this light and you hear this frequency pierce into your brain give me a dex times five check oh i don't like this you're gonna die 31 i have a 65 <laughs> okay 31 with a 65 mm -hmm. you advert your eyes instinctually like pulling your hand back from a striking snake and you grasp your head as this incredibly quick onset migraine pierces your skull as you hear this frequency as loud as humanly possible and unlike anything you've ever seen and it disorients you for a second as you sort of stumble a little bit maybe knock over a tray of, of medical equipment and within a few seconds you readjust yourself and look up and Frank is gone Roll a sanity check. Did he take my ID? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that's going to be rough to get back, buddy. Uh, let's see here. Oof. The sheriff isn't there, right? The sheriff 94. is not there. Uh, my sanity is 40, so I fail. Ooh. Buddy. Latara, well, roll me a D4, please. You take two points of sanity damage. Ugh. As something you can't explain just happened. And you're looking around and as you're looking and, and recalling, well, you couldn't really hear anything in the moment, but you suddenly realize this room is dark. There's broken glass beneath the light bulb fixtures above. And the sheriff bursts in, revolver drawn, says, What the hell happened here? I want to be, like, my Stetson probably have fallen off, so I'm, like, clutching my head as I'm getting up. I'm like, Sheriff, did he get a, did you pass him in the hallway? No, where the hell is he? I don't know. I thought, he thought it, it Oh, God. I'm almost going to sit down in the chair. I'm, I'm going to go, what in the hell? Greenwood. Dr. Greenwood. <sighs> Listen, Dick. Dick. This is... Don't take this the wrong way, but... This is... This is... This is a hootenanny. It's... It's something Watch that's Watch your mouth insane. in my presence. I know. I know it's insane, but you're not going to believe it. He thought... <laughs> He thought we were in Vietnam, Dick. All right, he's crazy. I'm yeah, not surprised. He's crazy, and this crazy guy decided to make all the lights explode and and almost made me pass out by just looking at me. Oh God, I have never. I don't know how to explain that. Dick, we need to we need to find him. He is dangerous. Get up, doctor. Come on. I'm gonna grab my hat and I'm gonna put it back on and I'm gonna is my ID on the floor? <laughs> uh sure. Yeah, yeah, alright. I'm gonna pick up my <laughs> ID and I'm gonna put it in my wallet. I'm gonna say, Sheriff, we gotta find him. He is a danger to himself and others. Alright, listen just listen here. Alright. Yeah. Diego's gonna take you home for a night. Alright? We're gonna call in we'll call in uh uh Dr. Johansson to watch to watch a patient in Bay 1. I gotta go meet with my deputy. My radio went out, but you need to go get some sleep and I will put out a, I will put out an all-points bulletin to Montana State Police, alright? Appreciate you there, Sheriff. I'm gonna extend my hand to shake his. He grabs it and he's like, he squeezes it and he says, look, I don't know what the hell is going on here, but keep your wits about you. Get some rest. Go on. And I'm going to, as I walk through the door, I'm going to say, 
Dick, if you need help, call me. I will. I'll nod to him and I'll uh, I'll walk out. Okay. I'm uh as I'm walking, I'm like visibly shaking, kind of like in a essence of shock, like uh just thousand yard stare. The whole like, what did that really happen? Did I did I pass out and imagine something that happened? You know, the just that disbelieving shock, just aura emanating from uh, Doctor Greenwood right now. And I think Diego takes you and loads you into his Toyota Celica. Yeah. <laughs> cruises on over. And, like, maybe he's talking to you the whole time, but I, I don't think you hear a word of it. I think you're just in your own world in a daze. And he drops you off at your homies. You sort of snap out of it a little bit, and he goes, Dr. Greenwood! Dr. Greenwood! Diego. Diego, you know you call me Frederick, Fred, Freddy, Frederick. Don't call me Doctor. What's up, Gabby? Freddy, you're not responding to anything else. Sorry, I'm tired. Been a day. It must be that I'm just tired. I feel like I imagined a lot of things that went on with that patient we had, and <sighs> need some water and go to bed. Thank you for driving me home. Yeah. Take care of yourself. You too. You call me if that boy in Medbay 1 needs any uh, help tonight, okay? I will. I'll get out of I'll his... I'll take care of it. I'll get out of his rockin' Toyota Celica. Fucking does it burn out and cruise. <laughs> Crashes his car into a ditch, you guys. <laughs> it's not a ditch, Tanner. Diego, no! <laughs> Diego! <laughs> but I'll, uh... I'll head inside my, uh, my nice cabin. It's a nice uh, wood, like wood-framed carpenter build. Uh, two, uh, it would be one story with like a loft. That's a bedroom, uh, style cabin. Okay. I'll shut the door and I'll lock it and I'll uh, walk on up to the bed and uh, from under the bed, a Mossberg shotgun gets pulled out and racked and leaned up against the headboard and I uh, start getting ready for bed. Okay. Anything anybody wants to do before they go to sleep tonight? I think uh, Ronnie, after she dropped them off at the hotel, would go swing by the hospital just to see if uh, Freddy's still there, if he needs any help. I think when you swing by, see no cars in the parking lot and the door is locked, strangely enough. And Maybe as you're out front trying the door, a... Um, Toyota Tacoma drives up, parks in the parking lot, and out walks uh, Dr. Felicia Johansson. And she says, uh, Ronnie, closes her door. What are you doing here? I figured you'd be, uh, you'd be with Freddy. I uh, was actually just checking to see if Freddy was still here. Looks like it's all closed down, so I'm guessing he must have finished up and headed home for the night. Surprised the sheriff didn't contact you. Uh, I think Freddie had quite the night. Diego had to lock up and drive him home. Got here as fast as I can. And you could tell she's like very hastily dressed, kind of in like just jeans and a, a scrub top. What? You mean he was helping someone who had quite the night? Uh, maybe, but that's not my impression. I mean, I had to come cover for Diego, and you know how rare that is. Alright, can I use the phone? Yeah, come on inside. You're more than welcome to. I'll head in and try calling Freddy's phone. Uh, he would be so freaked out that he would do the old-fashioned uh, pick Who up let the, the dogs <laughs> out? Who? Who? The landline that has that? Awesome! Yeah. In <laughs> 1999, before the song came yeah, out? Yeah, this music's ripping. No, it's um, a demo. He would have done the old-fashioned, like, to disconnect the line, you just pick up the receiver and put it on the table. Uh, so that would have been one of the first things he does when he gets home. It's, that's okay, like so a way of not receiving phone calls, so when you call, you receive a busy tone. <laughs> Do not disturb, old. Beep, old pretty team. much. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Uh, knowing Freddy, I probably just know he doesn't want to be disturbed if that happens. And I'll be like, eh, I'm sure he's fine. I'll see him in the morning. 
Okay. Nettle. Each one of you has a strangely different night. As you fall asleep, some in comfortable beds, some in bedbug-ridden Motel 8 twins. Uh, we'll oh, man, they got the bedbugs here. <laughs> you brought your own bedbugs. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you fall asleep for your first night in Big Timber. And we'll see what happens on the second one next time. Nice. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Delta Green. Cool. Delta, Delta Green. Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons living or dead or actual events are purely coincidental. Want to follow us on social media? Listen to another episode or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all of our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we could use in our games. The reroll main theme and all character themes are copyright, as well as the Chronicles of Rel main theme. Please consider donating to our Patreon if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more, and with your support, we can make a lot more. New episodes every Monday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.